Hey everyone, and welcome to the Slug Club, where all things Harry Potter and mischief are managed. Thanks for joining us for this Earth Day special, as the club gathers together to talk about one of the most well-recognized trees mentioned throughout the Harry Potter series, the Whomping Willow. I'm Slug Club's self-appointed Hufflepuff, head boy, and prefect, Justin. Also joining the club today is the pioneer of the household staple, butterbeer-scented candle, our Ravenclaw head of house herself, Abby. Hey, guys. And as always, we have my brother Rob joining us, who's never read the books. That's right. Didn't read a single book, but you know what? I got a love for the earth, love for the trees, the plants, the flowers. And then when they decay and build down under deep layers, sedimentary over thousands and thousands of years, you know what I love the most? The rich, plentiful oil that they turn into. Let's go. Yeah, thank you guys again for joining us today. And happy Earth Day to you both. Um, Abby, I heard that you mentioned that you were going to celebrate Earth Day. You and Nick were going to drive across the country in your six-ton gas-guzzling, carbon monoxide-emitting, ozone-shattering house on wheels. Is that right? You forgot drawing from the electrical grid as well. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. You know, I was actually thinking about this, like, Earth Day, and I was thinking about how green we have been since moving into the van. And I was hey, like, I you believe know, I was like, some people might think living in a van, driving around, using up some gas, but, you know. If by green you mean envious of people with, uh, with internal plumbing, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we're saving, like, water. I was uh, telling Justin earlier that I took a shower for the first time in nearly a week. Oh, that's gnarly. So, yeah, go green. I'm sure it equals out in the end. Yeah, but man, nothing. If not more in your guys' favor. I gotta say, though, just this whole, like, not showering as much. It You might be helping out the earth, but you pay for it in a different way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> sure do. <laughs> and it not only rough. do you, but everybody else pays in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> Out what regular air smells like. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> you guys got like an air freshener in your car, right? We have air fresheners. We have uh, this um, spray that, you know, we can spray down our cushions so that way it keeps it smelling linen y. I have like room spray. You know, we have a bunch of disinfectant wipes. We try to keep it from getting too funky in here. Abby, where are you joining us today? I feel like you're like Carmen San Diego. Like, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? I want to get a map of America and have it be a Where's Waldo kind of theme, where it's just a bunch of people all across the the United States, and I have to find where Abby is. I mean, that sounds pretty awesome. We'd probably be looking for a while though, especially considering we are in the small town of Page, Arizona, which is near the border. Never heard of it. Yep. It's near the border of Utah. It's known for Horseshoe Bend, which used to be free to visit, but then all the Instagram influencers were like swarming to it so much that they got to the point that they're now charging $10 a vehicle to enter. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Not as bad as Crazy Horse. Oh, gosh. Crazy Horse, $50 to go see an unfinished statue. Yeah. They got us. They sure got us. You know what? We took all their land, but they sure got us on that one. Was it really like $50? That's bananas. It's a lot. I think it's free parking. 
Yeah, it's getting into the museum <laughs> where you can see their plans for what the horse will look like when yep. it's done. Yep, plans that they've had for the last 150 years. I went there as a kid, and I think all they had, like, blasted out into the mountain was, like... The original artist has been dead for the last 65 years. I'm not shocked. It's probably why they started charging a bunch for people to get in, is because they're like, we got to raise funding somehow. The goodness of people's hearts is not doing anything. Yeah, they, they like, asked for donations to get rocks that had been blasted out of the mountain in the process of making the sculpture unbelievable so yeah that is where i'm at page arizona it also has a upper and lower antelope canyon but those are closed due to the pandemic because it's owned by uh you know the reservations and so oh they're shut down so can't go see those but oh well i tell you that what an exciting life though it's cool Except for the nice shower part. That's rough. <laughs> Otherwise. Well, today we're going to be opening up our herbology books as we take a closer look at one of the better known magical plants found within the series, the Whomping Willow. Rob, why don't you kick us off? Tell us, uh, tell us all about the Whomping Willow. Well, gladly. The willow tree is found in the movie Pocahontas. It is a, a mother to Pocahontas, the main protagonist of the movie. Yeah. And her magical powers of wisdom and guidance. Yeah. And sit, wait, wait, yeah, yep. Did you say Pocahontas? Yeah, yeah, Pocahontas, Mother Willow. Anyway, <laughs> as I was saying, Mother Willow <laughs> tells Pocahontas to trust her heart in all things. What? <laughs> Guys, we're, if you keep on stumbling over this, this is going to be a five-hour podcast. What's up? Okay, so first of all, it's Grandmother Willow. Is that what her name is? Rob, the Whomping Willow. The Whomping Willow. From, from Chamber of Secrets. The Whomping Harry Willow. Potter. Okay. Oh, right. Prisoner so we're talking, Caban. All right, we're talking about the Whomping Willows. Got it. All right, sorry, guys. Sorry. I apologize. We're on top of right, it now. Go so to the your Whomping next Willows. Wikipedia search. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm typing and stalling right now. Uh, <laughs> the Whomping Willows are actually a wizard rock group or a rock group with a silent W at the beginning, kind of like the word wrench. Wait, and they have lots of cover songs, including wait. one called Wolf Star, which alleges that, get this as a hot take, alleges that Remus Lupin and Sirius Black uh, were in a romantic relationship with each other. Talking Pretty about hot take. Oh. What do you guys think about that? The Whomping Willows. I mean, this I wasn't what we were intending to talk about, but I'm really, I really am interested, interested. in hearing more about this. So. I was gonna say I am interested in this. <laughs> Wait, so is this an actual band? Yes, yeah, actual band. You can find them on Spotify, including they songs such as "Oh Remus, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind." Hey Remus. He's right. Of they course, referring to R.J. Lupin. Obscure pick, obscure pick for Earth Day, you guys. Strange one. All right, Rob, we're, Rob, we're talking about the Whomping Willow that's that's on Hogwarts grounds. Yeah, the Whomping Willows. They perform mostly at Hogsmeade, but like, do they perform at like Leaky's Rockin' Christmas? <laughs> no, no, the Leaky Cauldron. <laughs> oh boy. Any, all right. Anyways, um, we're talking about the Whomping Willow. You know, actually. This might actually be a great time to try out my Bruce Buffer impersonation while introducing the Whomping Willow. What do you guys think about this? What do you guys think about this? Be like, this is the topic. 
you listening around the world have been waiting for. It's time! We need some more music. One episode on the undisputed best Harry Potter podcast of the world. Introducing first, fighting <laughs> out of the blue corner. So we're introduced to this deciduous tree in um, book two of the series, Chamber of Secrets. And it appears, or it reappears at several other junctures as we follow Harry's and, and others' adventures at Hogwarts. It's known to be um, a rare sentient tree that will attack anything or anyone that may come within range of its branches. That may or may not include like a Nimbus 2000, flying <laughs> Ford Anglias, two time and backstabbing traitorous rats, or okay. poor unsuspecting innocent birds. And actually, contrary to their name, they resemble more of a beech tree than um, what you would actually think of as like a, a weeping willow. And they have thick trunks, long and thin leaves. Um, the branches actually function as arms and serve as weapons of choice when pummeling intruders like a hammer strike and nail. But the most notable of all these trees includes the one planted near the training grounds at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. But if you're joining us and not having read the books like our Gryffindor rep, you may not be aware that the distinct Hogwarts tree was placed there purposefully. So, Abby, I'm actually relying on you on this. I think we're going to transition away from Rob for a second. Yeah, Wait, what? Probably, a, probably a good idea, because, you know... Wait, guys, there's a good one, though, about Draco, Malfoy, and Harry. A song? Yeah, well, I didn't think you would call me on it. I didn't actually listen to it. <laughs> okay. I didn't listen to the song. I just listened to the first ten seconds of the Wolfstar one. So, yeah, as a... As Justin was saying, the uh, Whomping Willow was put there intentionally. It didn't just happen to grow there. The uh, Whomping Willow is actually, um, it's been linked to Scotland, which, as we know, Hogwarts is not in Scotland. And it's even, like, been found in the Forest of Dean, which, as we know, that's where Hermione hid herself and Harry during Book 7 when they were trying to get away from the Snatchers. Wait, I thought oh. Hogwarts was in Scotland. I thought it was, too. Nope, you're right. It is. I was thinking of England. Point one for no books. Oh my gosh. No. no. Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's let's move on. Anyways, so it's been found in the Forest of Dean. As you said, it's considered very rare and valuable, and also just extremely violent. And it is because of its violent nature that it was actually put on school grounds, which you would think makes no sense, but it was... Seeing as you've got 11-year-olds running around. You would think it would be a huge liability. Let's put a tree right where the 11-year-old and 12-year-olds play that swings violently at anyone that gets near it. Well, considering it was Dumbledore, and he tends to take edgy risks with his, uh, with his teaching... Um, I guess it's not a shock that it ended up there. He planted it there for Remus Lupin. It was planted in 1971 when he was a first year. And Lupin even tells Harry in Prisoner of Azkaban, I told you months ago that the Whopping Willow was planted the year I came to Hogwarts. The truth is, 
is that it was planted because I came to Hogwarts. Yep, and so typical was- Dumbledore fashion, Dumbledore orchestrated this massively overblown, over-the-top, cloak-and-dagger operation riddled with deceit. Not only that, but we got to think about the funding that was diverted from the school. Arranging for the construction of the secret tunnel leading to a shabby rundown shack on the bare outskirts of a neighboring city. Yep, yep, that's exactly it. It was used to disguise the opening of that secret passage that led from Hogwarts to the Shrieking Shack. It was put there because, you know, every month Lupin would have to turn into a werewolf, so he would go through the hole at the entrance by pressing that small knot that's near the willow's base, and that would cause it to temporarily become immobilized, which I always found it to be a small pet peeve of mine that in the movie... Remus uses a mobilist to get the tree to stop moving. Wait, you're telling me that's not not the way it is? No, there's a small, like, knot at the bottom of the tree. But hypothetically, if a wizard was skilled enough, could he cast a successful immobilist on the tree? I mean, it's possible, because, I mean, how did a professor sprout when the tree got wrecked from the car? Like, the book describes that she had the tree's limbs in little, like, slings. Mm -hmm. She had to bandage them up, yeah. yeah. With the help or the detriment of Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher Gilderoy Lockhart, (laughs) who then later wrote a book on the subject. Yeah, well, we all know that he did nothing. But, yeah. I guess, like, you know, after he would be in, he would go to the Shrieking Shack, you know, the tree would start thrashing around again. That would keep anyone from entering through the passageway, and he wouldn't be able to hurt anyone. And it would also keep him from being able to exit the passageway because, Mm. you know, Willow's thrashing around. So just keeps him safe, keeps everyone else safe until, uh, you know, he phases out and he's a human again. So here's but, my thing about... But don't werewolves, if they don't have anyone to attack, won't werewolves attack themselves? They do. So the the screams of the werewolf being heard all across Hogsmeade was the result of um, Remus Lupin werewolf form biting and scratching himself inside the screeching mm-hmm. stack. And actually, right. Right. Dumbledore himself takes it upon him to spread rumors and lies throughout the town of Hogsmeade for years, decades, that this house is indeed haunted instead of, you know, just going in a different route. Here's my thing about the Shrieking Shack. I feel like there's a theory coming here. Here's my thing. So you go through all this trouble, right? You you create this secret tunnel, which apparently is just out in the middle of the open outside, right? And you just plant, you plant a tree there. Okay, it serves as a guardian, serves as a safeguard. And then it leads through this tunnel to this rundown, shabby shack with no furniture, you know, nothing, nothing, no, no accommodations, no commodities. Yeah, uh-huh. none. And how hard would it be for Dumbledore to set up, you know, just like a nice little area for Remus to do his thing every month? Mm-hmm. How hard is it really to cast Reparo on the whole Shrieking Shack every time he goes in there? Well, interesting that you uh, thought this, and I have something to contribute to this as well. I, too, have been concerned deeply by the state of the Shrieking Shack for years. And I believe that Dumbledore had this tunnel put into the house. Why? So that 
once a month, Remus Lupin could go in there to uh, be there and uh, make his own screaming and moaning during the uh, full moon. And then Dumbledore could go there for the rest of the month and make his own screaming and moaning <laughs> in his leather BDSM club. Dumbledore <laughs> was in the Shrieking Shack to shack up with some Shriekers. Shriekers. I can't handle you. <laughs> Call <it> Shriekers. <laughs> it wasn't Knitting Club up there, Abby. I I don't even know what to say. Here's another <laughs> option. Send the kid to Who the requirement. Who is going to open up in that janky shack to have kinky BDSM At least that's what I, I that's what I read from Rita Skeeter. What about the room of requirement, though? Like, isn't there other places inside Hogwarts that could be safer rather than having him needed to be brought out by Madame Pomfrey every single month and then abandoned out into this shrieking shack? I mean, I get it. You know, Dumbledore is a master of charms. And I get it. There's probably some kind of strong magical presence around the shrieking shack, whether that's a charm that nobody can enter or nobody can leave, or the windows don't open, the doors don't open, or even when somebody walks into the house, they don't see a werewolf, or they don't see anybody, they see a rundown shack. But, like, send a kid to the room of requirement, and just make it so that, like, nobody else can get in except for him. Isn't that what Neville did for, like, The only other explanation is that the room of requirement doesn't appear until the Order of the Phoenix... And it's just only there because... I mean, I guess he could have done that, but I think we all know that given the opportunity, Dumbledore typically chooses chaos. Given the opportunity, Dumbledore, being the flamboyant gentleman that he is, has to come up with the most harebrained, ostentatious plan possible. (laughs) It's all for luring Voldemort back to campus and then defeating him once and for all. That's that's the uh, that's the big brain move, Dark Lord. I I think it makes much more sense to just let Remus Lupin use the Room of Requirement. One, he stays on the grounds. Two, you think that the Room of Requirement would just turn into like a room that is full of rabbits? (laughs) Think about that. These bunnies. I feel. And then instead of really, we're we're looking and looking and getting at the heart of this, which is that. Dumbledore cruelly and spitefully viciously came up with this plan for Remus Lupin when there were obvious plans that could have been done instead. Yep. I mean, I'm I'm in the field of education. We're all about inclusion. I mean, the only other explanation, least restrictive environment. J.K. Rowling forgot to mention it. Or <laughs> J.K. Rowling was just making stuff up halfway through the series. Or she totally forgot that it could have been used and had it in her notes for 17 years before she actually wrote The Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> Poor Remus Lupin. Yeah, I feel bad for him. There's no way Asked he would out. Like Just another pawn to uh, Albus Dumbledore. And even after like the need for the Willow and the Shrieking Shack has dried up, it's no longer apparent that they're needed for a safeguard for Remus. Obviously, he's not a student there forever, right? Dude can't even put up, can't even fill up the hole? Can't even put dirt back into the hole at the base of the tree to cover up the the pathway to take down, dismantle the Shrieking Shack? These people have magic. 
He has been needlessly endangering and threatening the lives of generations of students. Tell them. We're reminded of the classic Bob Dylan folk. How many times must a man turn his head and pretend that he just... (laughs) The answer, my friends, is blowing through the Whomping Willow's branches. In fact, (laughs) because of his lack of interest or, you know what, lack of interest in protection of others, that that tree lingers on to be a menace for all who step foot onto Hogwarts grounds. I've never been one to tear down the trees, but we need to take this tree down. Take that tree down. I feel like I'm in without a paddle where they're like out in the middle of the forest. And they come across those people that are like, all right, we're going to take down the tree. I feel no, like I've, not changed Earth sides. Child. <laughs> I've changed sides. I want Earth Child down. I don't know. I mean, maybe like the fact that it is so valuable and rare, its location being there, just, know. you know, it, a lot of people were aware of it and it might have caused a lot of people to freak out over it getting removed. Or maybe it. Dumbledore <laughs> just wanted it for the tours with new parents with deep pockets. Well, here are our lovely grounds, and as you'll see, our state-of-the-art Quidditch pitch is, is newly renovated every single season. We just got the blood of the of the fourth-year beater who just died recently off of it. Oh, and uh, what's that over there? Oh, that's our own Whomping Willow. You want to touch it? Go ahead, try to touch it. Students would play that game with each other. Play almost a form of Harry Potter chicken. <laughs> Poor Dave Gudgeon. Yep. Poor Davey Gudgeon. Probably a Hufflepuff. <laughs> Wait, let's look this up. <laughs> I got the unofficial Harry Potter character compendium. I'll tell you what, I got 10 galleons that this kid is a Hufflepuff. If he if he is in this book, I'm going to be very surprised. I'm going to lose it if he is a Hufflepuff. I will not be able to handle it. Oh, you got to be kidding me. This kid has parents. But he doesn't have a house that he's part of. What's what? even the point, then? Just says he was a student in they the seventies. They never 70s. talked about it. Gladys wow. and Calvin Gudgeon were possibly his parents, very possibly. Davy Gudgeon. But Galvin Gudgeon was a seeker for the Chudley Cannons in the nineties. Oh. That doesn't make sense, though. Why he would be Davy Gudgeon's uh, father? And be playing Quidditch in the 90s. Oh, you know what? It just says possible. So it might be his son. Might be Davy's son would be uh, Gavin. Mm. Or Galvin, excuse me. And then there's Gladys. He was a fan of Gildor Lockhart and wrote him fan letters every week. Even after he's admitted to St. Mungo's. Yep, that's right. Are we both on the Harry Potter wiki? No. (laughs) I I have the character compendium right next to me. Oh, it must be nice. It's it is nice. I mean, honestly, I was a little disappointed because I was hoping for more like odd facts about people. I mean, we're gonna have granted, to come up with a review has, of the compendium. Granted, it has Davy Gudgeon and Gladys Gudgeon in it, so I mean, it's odd enough. But it's basically like, hey, this person was in Hufflepuff. I'm like, oh, that was okay. disappointing. All right, I blame like Hufflepuff. I blame Rowling. Not enough character detail. 
How dare J.K. Rowling not come up with another 200 extra characters? <laughs> with complete backstories. <laughs> the nerve. The nerve. I'll tell you, the nerve. Well, let's, let's backtrack a little bit here. So this tree is on Hogwarts grounds. It has injured several people, probably. I would assume. I mean, Dave Gudgeon's one. Including well, where were Davy Gudgeon's parents? Mm-hmm. That's how you know this was the 70s. Because if that happened in the, in the 2000s, those parents would be coming up and be like, the tuition we paid this school. And they'd be coming with some sort of Bob haircut. Yeah. There's some kind of shortcut. I'm sorry. I think you need to apologize. One could even argue, even if it was just the 90s, because remember when Draco got attacked by the hippogriff? Luke's oh, yeah. Like, Lucius was all over him. Lucius like, Malfoy came up with his Karen haircut. He does have a Karen haircut. So, and tried to get Dumbledore and Hagrid sacked. So not only do we see the lives of students and others at Jeopardy, we see other kinds of destruction going on because of the tree. You see right. the Weasley family car wallop to pieces. <laughs> you see Harry and Ron, Hermione's near-death encounter in Prisoner of Azkaban, right? I think the tree would argue that the Weasley car walloped the Whomping Willow to pieces, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> we also see it being a problem because Sirius Black lures Severus Snape and tricks him into following um, Remus Lupin down the path over towards the werewolf that Remus had turned into, nearly killed uh, Severus Snape. Yep, it was uh, James Potter that got him out in time, and that made Snape very angry and hostile towards him. And James only did it because he just wanted to lord it over Severus for the rest of his life. Was this the fight that um, caused Snape and Harry's mother to break bonds? No. No, that was... was, uh... Just a separate thing. That was when they were trying to live a corpus Snape and take his trousers off in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. That's right. After Snape had just been deeply embarrassed with his patchy undies, exposed <laughs> in front of the entire fifth year class. Poor guy. I'm tearing up right now, even as I'm thinking about it. <laughs> he is not a great man. He is a great man. <laughs> the topic for another time. <laughs> Because we can go on forever about that. Abby, I read somewhere, and I'm relying heavily on your professional opinion on this, um, about the trees. (laughs) (laughs) The tree has some kind of connection also to the Cursed Child, right? Oh. um, Of course, the Cursed Child is one of the books I have not read yet. Shoot. It doesn't count. Even I know that doesn't count. I hear it's more fan fiction anyways. It it is more fan fiction. If you have not read it, it's not necessary. Um, shoot. Let me. I just read this like last week. Um, yeah, you're just telling me you read it. It's not necessary to read the cursed child unless, of course, you love it to see young boys manipulated by women yeah, into their evil true. schemes. You know, I tell my husband all the time, men are weak. It had something to do with the Scorpion King timeline, whatever that is. Oh, oh yes. So um, that is the darkest timeline because oh, the well, darkest timeline. It is the <laughs> darkest timeline. So pretty much in this timeline, Harry is dead because Voldemort killed him, and mm-hmm. 
so if for those that aren't familiar um and this is a mild spoiler but as i said if you haven't read it yet you're probably never going to read it and it's probably not necessary so uh, it follows elvis severus who you know has he feels the weight of having his father be really famous he feels the weight of being named after two huge successful like strong brave men that you know his father greatly valued and he is frustrated because i guess Cedric Diggory's dad um, approaches Harry and he is begging him to use a time turner to go back in time and undo like Cedric's death. Oh. So, yeah. And so Harry tells him, no, all the time turners have been destroyed. And he's like, I heard that there's one that was left. Can't you do this? Like, I have no other family. I'm just an old dying man. I deserve oh. to have my son. And Harry's like, I can't do that. Like, no. And, you know, they're all destroyed. Well, come to find out, they're not all destroyed. Fun fact, Hermione is... Don't tell me Dumbledore gave her that time turner. Hermione kept one. No. Well, so Hermione did keep one because she is the Minister of Magic. And... um, No, does she become Minister of Magic? Or is this just in the timeline? She does become Minister of Magic. And so she was keeping one and she had it like safely tucked away. And Albus. Overreach uh, of power. Yeah. Abuse Always. of power. So Albus, Severus, and Scorpius, who is uh, Draco's son, um, they become friends because Albus Severus is placed in Slytherin. So Even though the, the epilogue of the books leads us to believe that Albus Severus will not be put in Slytherin. Yeah, they definitely alluded it because Harry was like, he will, like, the Sorting Hat will take your wants into consideration. Which is right, Dad. Oh, thanks, Dad. Slytherin. (laughs) Tell that to Neville Longbottom, who wanted to be in Hufflepuff, right? (laughs) Sorting Hat, give me all of the power. Well, it didn't work for him because he was definitely put in Slytherin. But yeah, so there was many timelines that they created when they stole the uh, Time Turner because they wanted to go back in time and undo Cedric Diggory's death. They managed to do it the first time. What happened was um, it kind of messed things up. Like in this timeline, um, Ron and Hermione ended up not getting together. And so, yeah, and Scorpius has a crush on Ron and Hermione's daughter. And so they go back to fix it. And so what they do is they, like, humiliate Cedric into losing the second challenge because they stopped him in the first challenge from passing. And what that ended up doing is that made him want to win even more the second time and so on. That made Cedric evil. And I guess um, he ends up killing Neville during the Battle of Hogwarts and becomes a Death Eater and just a bunch of stuff. Anyway, so anyways, Scorpius, during the darkest timeline, that happens. Harry is killed in the Battle of Hogwarts and Voldemort is king, you know, and the Malfoys are considered to be, like, you know, higher up there. And so that is why Scorpius is considered, like, the Scorpion King. Which is a terrible movie by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Not his best moment. No, not quite. So wait, what? The guys, but the guys are cachillionaire, so you know what do we know? 
So what is the connection with the oh, Whomping so... Willow in the book? <laughs> I, I feel like I'm hooked on this book now, though. We went we went on an entire <laughs> entire review of the cursed child. Yeah, my bad. Um, I this totally has just blanked. changed to become the cursed child podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I totally blanked that we were talking about whomping willows. Hey, Freaking Abby. I'm sorry. Abby's like, well, well, first thing before we get Abby, why this is the this is the typical way that women tell stories. <laughs> hey babe how was work today well the first thing you gotta understand is that three months ago this girl karen was was hired into the job and that's important for uh, part three of this story <laughs> that doesn't correlate that doesn't correlate with exactly the next thing i'm gonna say but you know just keep that in mind <laughs> first of all context is everything because you won't get it unless you know everything <laughs> For the longest time, I forgot we were even talking about Whomping Willows. <laughs> well, I forgot what we were even talking about. So, I guess, but it's kind of necessary, I guess, because um, that's thus how we get to the darkest timeline. Also in the darkest timeline, Perry is dead. Albus Severus doesn't exist. And so, you know, he had been traveling through time with Albus Severus. Well, he's no longer in this timeline with them because Harry died. And so he spends a lot of time trying to figure out, like, what happened. And this causes a lot of alarm because everyone's like, why are you asking about the Battle of Hogwarts? Digging around about these traitors, you know, stuff like that. And he ends up, like, talking to Snape because Snape was a member of the original Order of the Phoenix. He tells him about, like, this timeline and what happened. He talks to him and he explains to him that he's actually from a different timeline and he tells him that in the correct timeline Harry defeated Voldemort Voldemort's dead and it's just a better world all around and Snape like asks what happened to make you know them win at the Battle of Hogwarts and Scorpius explains to Snape that one of the things that happened that made things go that way is Snape died so Snape has got this thing on his lap where it's like, hey, you know, we got to fix this because there's a better world out there. But in this world, we don't exist. And Snape takes Scorpius to the remaining members of the uh, of Dumbledore's army, which is just Ron and Hermione. And they're hiding. Yeah, I feel like we fed right into it once again. Yeah, we just fed right into it. Fed right into my hands. <laughs> Severus Snape proved once again, without the presence of even like serving Dumbledore anymore, without the presence of Harry Potter, here he had the chance for Harry Potter to be dead. And the line of James Potter to be gone, rid from the face of the earth. And Severus Snape once again chooses self sacrifice. Yes, but we will go on about what makes Snape so great in a different episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, this time, Abby, let's cut straight. To... <laughs> All right, let's just let's just get to the relevant point of <laughs> where the Whomping Willow. So how it is is okay. So the relevant and the Whomping Willow saved the day. The end. <laughs> Cursed Child is because 
they're in the darkest timeline and Scorpius, when he like comes to and realizes that he's in the darkest timeline, he'd been living it, right? But he is now just kind of waking up with all of these memories of like what he had been doing. So everyone knows him as the Scorpion King, you know, around Hogwarts. And he has no idea what they're talking about. He's known for like being a huge bully. So he's doing a lot of digging around trying to figure out what happened. And, so he's um, a jerk because Harry wasn't able to change Malfoy. Yeah, and actually uh, Malfoy ends up having the job that Harry has in the original timeline. Mm. So, yeah. Well, as so, head of the aura department? Yeah, aura. Right, so you got Dark Wizard as the Dark Wizard guy? Yeah. Diabolical. So, Hiding in plain sight. Well, I mean, like, it's Voldemort's world. So, yeah. it, I so are they the good wizard, really, wizard catchers? Yeah, pretty much they're trying to seek out people who are, like, opposed. They're probably to looking for mudbloods. Well, and so oh, sorry, muggle-borns. Sorry. So that's the thing, is Scorpius talks to Snape because he remembers he's an original member of the Phoenix, right? And- well, Abby, all, we all know what it is. You just have to say that uh, in The Cursed Child, during the darkest timeline, the rest of Dumbledore's army, or the remnants of Dumbledore's army are fighting the Ministry of Magic from the tunnel beneath the Whomping Willow. They're not even fighting, they're hiding, but okay. Yeah, well, yeah, they're hiding, but, you know, they're like no. refugees. Oh, so that's the connection. Yeah. <laughs> I did that in one minute, Abby. <laughs> it was very eloquent. Okay. But... You know, talking about Voldemort, you know, another thing that kind of that stands out to me about the Whomping Willow, about the Shrieking Shack, about the pathway, about, you know, this this whole operation, you know, it, it sat there for so long after it was being used. Voldemort actually used it as his headquarters before he infiltrated the grounds of Hogwarts in Deathly Hallows, right? Correct. I don't remember him using the Shrieking Shack at all. I'm pretty sure it's him using the Shrieking Shack, right? As a headquarter. I know that he the room of requirement i know that he killed snape at the boathouse um, well in the movie he killed him at the boathouse right yeah i'm pretty sure it was in the oh maybe it, nope you're right it is the shrieking shack in the book yep yep it, in the book it is the shrieking shack it, right. it was in the boathouse at the in the bo- in the movie the boathouse that we saw for the first time and never again yeah that was yeah conveniently i was like oh that's where they keep the boats that everybody went to in their first year Oh, is that the connection? Oh, yeah. I just thought it was some random boathouse. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess I didn't really think of it that way. But if Voldemort knew about the Shrieking Shack, I wonder why he never like revisited it or like tried to see if anyone was hiding there since he knew about its existence. But like, I'm wondering why, like, in the cursed child why that happened to be conveniently left out i feel like if he's looking for rebels that are hiding underground he would literally look underground yeah because hermione is a master of concealment charms she was walking around the tunnel like salvia hexia (laughs) ronald weasley (laughs) salvia hexia yeah so where are we stand, where are we falling here on this Whomping Willow? Should this even be a thing on Hogwarts? I get I get that it's rare. There's another factor into it too. This thing is sentient. I mean, if it's sentient, does that mean it has feelings? 
Well, obviously it feels pain if it needs to be bandaged. That's true. Yeah. And it gets pretty, like, vengeful, right, when someone hits it. It, like, lashes out. Oh man. Well, now I feel guilty. I don't know how I, I feel, feel guilty. It doesn't even have a face. You know what that means? I don't have to look it in the eyes as I chop it down. Just have to see its branches wallowing in pain and agony. <laughs> <laughs> Just hear the creaking, the creaking of the branches. It's like a chicken with a chicken when its head cut off. <laughs> chicken doesn't make the sound, but the body just flails around everywhere. I go immobilist. No, I don't good, even. I don't even respect play. it by touching the knot. Good play. Oh. Good play. I'm trying what? to remember. Wasn't was the walking willow removed? Maybe it, I feel. Maybe it I don't think it. so. No, I don't think so. Who there was going to no remove records it? of it in uh, the Harry Potter wiki? Who's going to remove right. it? I was just trying to think, and it's like, maybe, no, I think it is still there. I'm having some weird, like, memory of it, like, being removed for some reason, but... Well, it's obviously still there, even in The Cursed Child, right? Right, right. Exactly. And that's 17, 18 years later. Yeah. That's true. Unless unless the darkest timeline somehow left the Whomping Willow there, and it was the only one where the Whomping Willow stays... Here's another question. So, like, this isn't Whomping Willow, but it's Shrieking Shack question. How did um, Voldemort even get into the Shrieking Shack in the first place? Does Dumbledore's charm have some kind of time limit on it? That's that's my question, is how in the world did he get in there in the first place? Because it's not like Voldemort's sneaking onto Hogwarts grounds and then going underneath the tree, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, it would have to be through um, the Shrieking Shack itself and not through the Whomping Willow. But Pettigrew had been there before. Yeah, he correct. Actually, um, he he had so um part like after he and Lupin, not Lupin. Um, he the rest of the Marauders. And, yeah, th- when they um became Animaguses, um, part of what um Pettigrew would do is he would you know transform into the rat and he would run over and he would touch the knob because he was small enough to get over there and that would cause like the branches it would seize up yeah and that's exactly what crookshanks the cat would do oh yeah that's what crookshanks the cat did for ron and uh ron and her or harry and hermione in the prisoner of azkaban that's right however in the deathly hallows what does ronald weasley do to get access to the whomping willow tunnel immobilis no, no, he cast a levitation charm. What? The spell that he could not figure out in his first year. What? Uses it on a, on a branch. Use the levitation charm on a branch and poke that little knot with it. Oh, look at Ronald Billius Weasley. And that's how a character not. comes full circle. And he used the levitation charm to show readers just how much he'd grown. Yeah. Ron gets a bad rap for not having a lot of chemistry or not seeming to have a lot of chemistry with Hermione, but I think they make a good pair. They did. So that was a fun fact. After they went in the first time and like Ron and Hermione didn't end up together. Yeah. So that happened because Crumb, I think, ended up winning that uh, challenge or something like the with the dragon. Something happened that made Crumb not go with Hermione and oh, to the U ball. Yeah, so Ron didn't get jealous and have those feelings come up, and so he just went with Parvati Patel, 
and they ended up getting married because things went well for them. And what? Oh. Jealous. Yeah. No. Yeah. She's not no. even a Gryffindor. Nope. Oh. So fun fact. What a turn. The, what a turn. The jealousy. I don't know. It seems far fetched. Seems yeah, far fetched. Might, might be more fan fiction than uh, you know, something worth actually considering, but that's what happened in the curse time. Well, I think we're pretty much wrapping up our Whomping Willow slash Cursed Child slash Shrieking Shack episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please also check out our 421 episode detailing various weeds and other herbs found in Harry Potter. (laughs) That was a good one. (laughs) I feel like we missed one. We're going to talk about weed today. Gillyweed. That would have been pretty great. Youth all across America are getting hooked on gillyweed. Street dealers are selling to children in schoolyards so that they can swim in lakes unattended by adults. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for joining us for this episode of the Slug Club Podcast. If you like the conversation and you want to hear more, you can find the Slug Club Podcast on Spotify or also on Apple Podcasts. If you want to join in on the conversation and give us ideas for new conversations, new podcast episodes, you can follow us on our social media at The Slug Club on Instagram or on Facebook. We'll see you guys later, but until then, mischief managed. The Slug Club podcast is a creative discussion between Harry Potter fans and has no affiliation whatsoever with Warner Brothers, J.K. Rowling, or any of their affiliates. All opinions expressed in the Slug Club podcast are completely our own. No house elves were harmed in the making of this episode.